0: We just want to start off this episode giving a cheers to Zack Snyder and the additional 70 million of reshoots after his initial was it 40 million of reshoots?
1: Something Seven. like that, but it was, yeah. you know, it was supposed to be done. It just needed a little time in the edit bay. A <laughs> little VFX work to make Superman make his costume black. That's it. It was done.
0: <laughs> it's going it's going to be a masterpiece. Thanks trolls on Twitter. You really did it. Uh maybe if it ever comes out. <laughs> Cheers. Hey everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. I'm Burke. Boom. Eh. And uh, producer Ross is here, as always, hey. looming above us like the Holy Ghost. Uh, so, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> The only time anyone has ever described Ross as a holy anything. You know, <laughs> it happened. <laughs> uh, anyway, we are the Mixed Six on this podcast. We drink six beers, have six conversations, rate them on a five-point scale, occasionally have guests uh, more frequently because... Uh, We are now delimited in terms of physical space and time. So as we roil around this digital void, drinking and talking about things to distract ourselves, uh, we're inviting you to come with us uh, for a certain amount of time units, whatever they may be. Uh, I am drowning. Please, please someone else say something in this i really like i really like that your response
2: like your response to your internal panic of what do i say next was to be (laughs) uh like uh like cult leader coming to you from youtube uh like something something kind of inviting uh and (laughs) Mm -hmm. and faux altruistic and self-improvement because i certainly know that for me this podcast has been nothing but uh, an act of self-actualization, and I hope that the same is true for our wonderful listeners.
0: I have been um, watching a lot of that Nexium documentary. It's oh, so yeah. good. Yeah. I've been wanting to talk to all of you about getting branded. Oh no! I don't mean what you think it means? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: I would like to. I would like to em all of you if there <laughs> if there's an opportunity for that on the microphone. <laughs> um, I think I'd be good at it. Um, I, I, could probably find a sash or two in my household to wear, to make <laughs> it feel more topical and on brand while I do it. And okay. So just hit me up. You know where to find me on the socials. I'll mm-hmm. EM the fuck out of you. <laughs> um, Hey, if you've never listened to this before, uh, then you don't know that we rate our beers on a five point scale. And of course you are a long time listener of the MixX podcast. You know that we rate all of the six beers we're going to try on today's show on a five point scale as we move through our individual segments. And Caleb has come up with our five-point scale for today. So, Caleb, what are we rating our beers based on?
0: Uh, We're going to rate our beers off something I know producer Ross is going to enjoy. Slay the Spire characters. (laughs) uh, Slay the Spire is a deck-building video game uh, where the video game does the processing power, uh, making it a deck-building game that I can actually play uh, Mm -hmm. because I don't have to sift through 80 fucking decks of cards to Mm -hmm. grab the one thing I want and do a bunch of complex math. Uh, It's intensely addicting, and Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful game. Uh, So I'm just going to rate it according to the characters I I like the best. Now, a one, which is a character you do not want to see, and a beer you do not want to drink, might be considered cheating because it's actually two characters, but they only appear as uh, a unity. Not unlike Producer Ross as the Holy Ghost (laughs) uh, is, you know, both a trinary and a singular. Mm. Uh, This pair uh, really only exists as a single unit. And that's the D4 Donut boss. I don't know what names they have, but they're at the top of tier three, and one of them shaped like a D four, and the other one's shaped like a Donut. Mm-hmm. Fuck those guys. Donut. Like, Don- donut and
3: Decca, I think, are their names. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Not- I hate them. I hate them so much. They're the absolute worst. Uh they just constantly buff each other with heals and protections and strength bonuses. So by like the second turn, they're doing like 20 times 3 damage to you and uh, I've only won the game once when I faced him because it's basically just an instant lose. The Honestly, I, I hate that. the time guy more. Uh, but yeah. The time guy does suck, but yeah. I have a better deal with him. He's just a giant slug. I also <laughs> like him because he's a cute slug in a row. Uh, so he gets points for just okay. aesthetics, but not 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 the guys who are just disembodied shapes that kick the shit out of you. I'm not into that. Uh, so... A two, it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with The Watcher. Uh, it seems weird to me that when you beat the game, you get access to a character that is so punishingly difficult to play <laughs> that if your card balance in your deck goes off one way or the other, your entire strategy just collapses and you die in like five seconds. Uh, it seems like a weird reward. Uh, I'm, I'm more used to like, hey, you beat the game, have this super overpowered character and this one's like uh a tank made of glass. It's mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's very hard to operate. Um 3 is your bog standard, the one you're going to start with, Iron Blood. Uh, it's just a dude with a sword. He just hits stuff with it. There's angry. not much you can say about a 3. Angry. Uh, also yeah, demons. he's angry. Uh there's not demons. much you can say. Yeah, not much you can say about him, just Mm -hmm. like you can't say much about a three beer. Um, Four is a silent, because you get poison damage, and shivs. Uh, And that is when you are doing, like, insane DPS. You feel super powerful. You'll, like, just poison an enemy on the first turn, and then just block and watch them slowly die from toxins. It is uh, pretty, pretty sweet. Um, And then five, and this one was sneaky, because it started way lower for me the defect who can just put these orb turrets around him that just auto zap and auto heal him and uh, you're by the end of the game you're just walking around in this swarm of like shooty phantasm death orbs uh, and it's just the best you know you're barely playing the game at that point because you've buffed yourself so much um, and that's a hard five beer and a hard five character uh, any disagreements producer Ross
3: um Per se yeah, I, I might switch the defect with the silent um they but they're both a lot of fun. I do agree with your position with the watcher uh watcher is the I, I've had some success with her, but she is the most difficult character to play, and uh like I mm-hmm. mentioned the the slug guy I hate more than the Donut and Dekka. I haven't had that many problems with them, actually, as many as Time Guy because he Have just you
0: seen the slug guy's robe though <laughs> it is very nice it is it is
3: it's the same type of robe that the watcher has. And he says something different for the Watcher,
0: actually. The name of this episode is Slug Guy Robes. <laughs> Slug Guy Robes. Kind of like shooty Death Orbs or whatever,
2: but okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would tell you, so I have looked at Slay the Spire on the Switch like 17 times. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually a little scared to buy it because I think I might get stuck in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, like that just might be where my time goes. Mm-hmm. And so I have avoided it out of
3: total self-preservation.
0: Like a full yeah. run of the game. You get like, it on your phone. You can get it on an iPad. It yeah. runs on anything. Yeah.
3: Um, by the way, uh, starting the game to, to get into the last boss takes like maybe an hour once you understand what's going on. Um, so like or even less like it, it, you can play, you can go through it pretty fast I and mean, there's daily challenges and randomized variables and stuff like that. It's it's very, very addicting.
2: <laughs> yeah. One of the things I've not heard from anyone playing Slay the Spire is it happens very quickly and you don't have to play it that much. So <laughs> yeah. I am kind of terrified. By it.
1: You don't yeah, have to um, play it. I'll tell you that.
2: Thank you very much, Burke. Okay, Uh, on that note, we're going to use that rating system, and I'm going to grab a beer, and we'll be right back for dissecting our fun, our board game segment.
0: Hey, Spencer, what are you drinking?
2: So I think we should all, I think all of us have access to the doc, um, the planning document. I think we should all take a stab at saying the name of this brewery, uh, it's out of Norway, and I'll start as it's my beer. I want to say, Han Briggerit.
0: I want to say it's from Han Briggerit. Caleb, uh, I I would go with Han, and then I'd go Briggerit, like mm, a, mm-hmm. uh, like, like a I, long, I get where you're going line. with the second G in there. I go Han Briggerit Odins. I'm pretty sure Odins. So Odin's
2: right. Tippel is actually the name of the beers. So the, the brewery is the first two.
0: All um, right. Is it is it is there an apostrophe in there, though? Like, is it no. a Tippel belonging to Odin? There are multiple Odins. Yeah, it is not an apostrophe. Wow. Uh,
2: uh, Bert, what, what are, what are you it. thinking on brewery name?
1: It looks uh, Danish. So like Handbruggeet?
2: Ooh, okay. That was a little more. That was a little more um, uh, of the voice. Okay, and uh, and producer Ross.
1: I'm just going
3: to take a lot stab at here uh, and say it's a silent H uh, with no evidence whatsoever. And bregret. There we go.
2: Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate what you did there. Um, <laughs> so I'm drinking a beer from that brewery out of Norway. Uh, the name <laughs> of the beer is Odin's Tipple or Tippel. Uh, it is an imperial stout. I would like to read for you the blurb they have given us describing the purpose of this beer. Odin sacrificed an eye so he could drink from the well of wisdom. We have sacrificed malts, hops and yeast. So you could experience this taste. What well, what, what a gift they've given us. So
1: anyways, well, don't I'm gonna try it. Till you try it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> That's fair. It's a, uh, Ten comma two percent alcohol.
0: Yeah, it's in the morning. Yeah, I'd be really worried about when that was bottled, especially with COVID. And yeah, it's fine. From- wow, wow.
1: Yeah.
3: It took more than three that's days really- to get there, Caleb. <laughs> it's fine. Like
1: COVID doesn't live <laughs> okay. in beer, okay international commerce more like
0: it was sitting on a in a shipping container for two months but all, all right sure well, i mean that would affect
1: the taste
3: but that doesn't mean is gonna thrive in like a shipping container for two months
0: i'm not saying it has COVID. i'm saying it would it affect the plane. taste we're a beer review podcast oh, okay. producer well, Ross.
1: how do you think they get heineken over here from germany yeah it's fine uh,
0: the devil summons it from hell because <laughs> it's heineken it's fucking disgusting uh oh, wow I
2: like that after all this Caleb still thinks of us as a beer review podcast that's the <laughs> nicest thing anyone has said describing this podcast in two years um that's actually very good so um it's an imperial stout by nature or that's at least the, the what they're telling me the category is mm-hmm. and it has some of that stout stuff so it's got some of the like almost oak stout kind of back end um it's a little bit chewy a little bit heavy on the back end but on the front end it actually has some of the fruity notes of like a like a Belgian tripel or something and so Um, it's got more than just uh, like cigar to oatmeal stout, and there is a little bit of like almost a three philosophers sitting on top of it. It's got it's a lot of complexity. Mm -hmm. I like the spirit. Um, I'd say it's a, mm, I'd say it's a four.
0: That's a silent,
2: all right. Yeah, COVID or otherwise. Yeah. Um, um, Caleb, we're into dissecting our fun, and if you have not listened to the show before, uh, welcome. And in dissecting our fun, which is always our first segment for nearly the last four years. We discuss board game things and caleb you have proposed this topic which i think is uh hysterical and accurate because i know exactly what this means and i am excited to hear you talk through your process of where you're going to land so please what are we talking about uh
0: well i i went to metagames they they just got over their latest uh COVID quarantine um, so I fired up the robotic drone I use to interact with the world now, and uh, sent him clanking in there. And he talked to Jeremy, who broke his ankle. Jeremy's in a cast. That's what? not good. Yeah. Oh man. P- pray- prayers up for Jeremy. Uh, so you know, I went in there and I bought Mariposas, the new uh, grave oh, game about really butterflies. That. Uh, and that was a that was a no brainer. But yeah. then I saw that Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion is only $50. That's right. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. It is 10% of Gloomhaven, if not less, and that still makes it probably the largest game I would own. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, they have gotten rid of the tiles that are for regular Gloomhaven, and they have transitioned to a storybook uh, Mm -hmm. layout where you have a large print, uh, a spiral-bound book and you go to Pages, and those are your hex maps in which adventures are laid out. And having just finished Stuffed Fables, Mm -hmm. which is honestly a wonderful game along that same line, and having started Aftermath, and seeing you could play it with two people, and having really enjoyed the times I could get in and played Gloomhaven with uh, Jason and producer Ross and whatnot, Mm. um, I'm not going to lie, I was tempted. I know it would just be Sarah and I, but I think Sarah is enough of a connoisseur of mechanics of games that she She was very much like the Gloomhaven two-card mechanic and Mm ablative card mechanic, because it is just a good way to run a game. So I'm going to admit, I'm tempted. Um, I'm not man enough to finish it. Uh, I I don't think the two of us are going to dig through a Gloomhaven anything by ourselves uh, to completion, but at the same time, it is $50. dollars So. That's not bad, considering what I've paid for a game about shipping containers.
2: Right. I was going to say, yeah, for for that, you could get two and a half containers. Um, (laughs) um, Is this a safe space? Can I just – well, it's not. uh, See uh, anime, some more – all of it. uh, Food rating systems. But anyways, I'm going to treat it like it is one uh, because I've already had a lot of bourbon and I'm on on this guy. Um, I have a weird thing about Gloomhaven. And I don't know where it comes from, but something about the whole franchise makes me feel, I think I have some weird, like, get out of my hobby about Gloomhaven. And I don't know why.
0: Yeah. Mm. I don't know why either. I don't know why. Yeah,
2: Because by all accounts, it is a deep, robust, incredible game. It is designed by by all standards, what seems like a phenomenal game design there. Um, it offers an incredibly robust gaming experience. It's got app assistance. It's got great components. Um, it seems to walk the RPG slash board game line probably better than any property in the history of games. And yet some I see the thing and I go like, Ugh. and I don't know if it's the size and scope of the thing that turns me off. I don't know if it's how little success we have gener- I have generally had dealing with legacy games that makes me go like, I just don't want something. I've had an, uh, we've had a hard enough time with pandemic legacy and Gloomhaven seems like a pandemic, all the legacies. And so I don't know what it is, but something about the title just kind of makes me, uh, turn, turn away a little bit. And I can't figure it out. I don't know where it comes from.
1: feel like people are trying to put too much of a, like TTRPGs in your board game. Does it feel too connected to.
2: Maybe it's that, and and it could be that. And and I'm, I'm certainly not hostile towards TTRPGs, obviously I like all you dummies, um, and, and actually, there are some TTRPGs that I've really enjoyed playing with you guys, nonetheless. Um, I don't, I guess maybe for me, it just feels almost like a different thing. And so maybe it is some of that TTRPG stuff. Um, I think maybe it's the scope of it. I do, I, I think part of this is this latent, like, I, I have a, a kind of like a strong belief that one of the problems that the board game community has is that it's like not particularly inviting to new players and it's hard for like new players to get involved for a variety of reasons. And a lot of the games that become popular are not necessarily games that are good for new players, which is why I have like a special place in my heart for Point Salad or Azul, which I think are great games in and of themselves, but also great gateway games. And for me, Gloomhaven feels like it exists on the other side of the spectrum. I'm not even sure that it does. I just don't know. I don't know if it's that, but when I saw this question pop up, I was like, well, you're probably going to get baby Gloomhaven. And I want to know what it's like, but I don't know that I would ever spend money on a Gloomhaven property, and I have no reason for that.
1: For, for yeah, only thing, $50, I, sorry, does it also have the same mechanic? Because the reason I'm anti-Gloomhaven Gloom, is I just don't like the idea of like a $100 game you're expected to destroy components. No, oh, no. Like they sell this there.
0: thing in Target. Uh, it, is, okay. it is replayable. It's um, its got uh, character sheets and stuff, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I don't think you have to destroy cards. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: But that's just the biggest... I mean, if that's your complaint, that's that's a anti-legacy game complaint which is fine yeah. but it's not right uh, a specific criticism of gloomhaven yeah. sure the reason sure. i ask is because like you're our gaming group and while we can't play with you guys i would also never expect you and brandy to play any level of truncated gloomhaven with me um because right. I, I just don't think you would enjoy it I, I just seem to instantly know that i just don't think mm-hmm. it's your side of the hobby man yeah um i'm not angry about it, it could be like a I don't want to say hipster thing, but th- th- you know, there's an aspect like you get really into music into college and like, you want to talk about the Mars Volta with your friend, like in privacy, <laughs> but then you're around other person and he starts talking about the Mars Volta and be like, no man, not here. No, it's just, yeah, it's just 16 minutes of wailing and jungle sounds. That's we're heroin addicts. That's fine, but not around the, not around right. the normals. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it could be like that. Cause like you, we are sort of board gaming advocates, and yeah. um, Gloomhaven is almost designed as if it were a joke to mock us
2: <laughs> for being born- <laughs> <laughs> Uh
0: because it is the size of a child's coffin uh, and uh, contains 300,000 bits and uh, an insanely detailed rule set with, I think, how many? Is there 11 playable characters in the base game? 13 yeah a good number yeah a including a hidden number. one 13
3: a hidden one that you had to solve an arg for an alternate reality game there were embedded ciphers in <laughs> uh gloomhaven that would eventually lead you to a website ah, this had- is not
2: helping this is not <laughs> yeah, helping ross <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what part of the and caleb i think as you describe it like i think um the things you're saying are all making me go mm-hmm, yes that's right i kind of feel that way and i think uh, unfairly I'm admitting all of this is unreasonable. So before you all jump into the Discord and or on socials and start telling me how wrong I am again,
1: mm-hmm. BT
2: dubs don't care. Um, uh, all the stuff you're describing is making me yep, check boxes in my head. And also it's a lot of the ways that I feel about wargaming. And so I also don't know if I've un- unfairly conflated the things I don't like about wargaming with Gloomhaven. And I think yeah. that may be a, a scope and size issue as much as anything
0: else. Yeah, um, I don't think there's a lot of overlap there. I, don't, no. I mean other than like tactical placement, which is older than Gloomhaven and work it's, you know, D and D level mm-hmm, flanking right. bonus shit. Um, yeah. I, I don't see a ton of, you're not no. breaking out the fucking ruler or painting minis necessarily mm-hmm. for all your Gloomhaven stuff, but, but jaws of the lion, there's four characters. It's mm-hmm. like, like that. That's better. It's like a, I think it's like a 10 session campaign or something, you know, sane. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, y- yeah, yeah it seems like something we could we could do uh it seems mm-hmm. like something, i think sarah and i would enjoy it i'm not sure if we yeah. finish it definitely go um, for it I like because also, you like, beat condensed a lot of the rules so it, yeah yeah
3: because you beat stuffed fables i would definitely recommend that and you've already played the main Gloomhaven game so this is going to be like easier than that so like uh, i know like i was reading their di- uh, like in the original version of Jaws of the Lion, they had a summoning class that had like you know, uh, but then they removed that because they realized summons were too complex for like an entry level game because like they summons have to use the monster AI rules and that's not like <laughs> that's not for the target audience that's not for the people who buy it at Target. Um, so yeah, I I, moved
0: that content over to the pallet that will contain Frosthaven. Yeah, exactly. uh, (laughs) um, The forklifted pallet of Mm -hmm, things you mm -hmm. need to play that.
3: Which I did not buy because we didn't finish the main Gloomhaven campaign. I don't know if we ever will now because we stopped right before I left, uh, in February. And we're like, Hey, when I get back, we'll pick it up. And like, well. Stuff happened, didn't it? Um, So, um, (laughs) uh, but like we played for almost for over a year uh, of Gloomhaven, and and highly enjoyed it. So, like, um, a intro level Gloomhaven is a is in your situation perfect. Like two players, you're gonna cooperate, you're gonna yeah level up and stuff. It's gonna be fun. So yeah,
0: yeah. I don't. I think I I think I might want to have four players though because it it just seemed like a fantasy D and D thing that doesn't require any. Mm-hmm. Creative energy on my part mm-hmm. to write or to perform. You're you're just doing the go in hole, kill stuff, book will read story to you uh, part of a D and D, which seems like it'd be like a great like poker night thing to do with a group of four people regularly. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to do that with Sarah, but we also have two hundred other games uh, right. mm-hmm. and other legacy games that we're already playing in oh, okay. uh, two player. So. I'm not sure if I need it added in, uh, and I'm not sure I would be getting the most out of it if I was just playing it uh, with two. So, I mean, maybe wait for would, it to go inside. I, I
2: would definitely give it the dungeon crawling. I would give the dungeon crawling aspect. Like, I would give it a play, like, once we mm-hmm. all were able to get together and, like, run run for a night. Like, we, uh, how long did we play Forgotten Waters for that one night? Like, four hours? Yeah, but that
0: that game blows up in a way that I was not expecting. Yeah. God, it was fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was fun. Totally weird experience. Kind of enjoyed it. Um, like way more than I thought I would, but like, I would be willing to sink one of our Saturday nights into a Gloomhaven and like, see how many campaigns we could knock out. I imagine it's probably like one or two campaigns probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always happy for you to buy a game that I can then try. So from your <laughs> perspective, yes, please get it. And I really want to try Mary Posa's when we can, because I think Elizabeth Hargrave is just a wonderful designer. For those of you that don't know, she designed Wingspan and Tussie Musse, Um And Mary Posa's is her new butterfly theme game. I'm excited to hear about that. Um, okay. Uh, that is our medium take on Gloomha- baby Gloomhaven, which is should we or shouldn't we? And by we, I mean Caleb. And we didn't land on he will or he won't. So... All of the content you're looking for. Stay tuned. Uh huh that's right. Just just keep following the mix six somewhere. Um, on that note, uh Caleb's gonna grab a beer and we'll be right back with your number one vote getter for this week, getting lit urcher. Mm-hmm. Caleb, that's a lot of words in the name of that beer. Uh, what Holy are those shit. words?
0: Well, uh, I, I write the full description for for the sake of posterity, but it, it is just called Strange Roots uh, uh, Gutenacht. Gutenacht? Gutenacht, I think. Uh, it is a farmhouse ale brewed with apples, orange blossom, honey, and coriander. Uh, or is yeah, it, it orange good. blossom honey there's a comma between apples and orange blossom but not between blossom and honey so i don't i,
2: don't I think it's orange blossom and honey uh because honey we do find honey in a lot of uh wild ales or farmhouses uh that, yeah. that's kind of side projects but that that honestly sounds delicious
0: yeah i'm gonna give it a shot
2: he's putting the bottle up to his face he's tipped the bottle back the liquid is moving down into his face he is contemplative. Oh, he looks—he <laughs> looks at peace—is how I would describe him.
0: That is a good, a good Um Good That is wonderful. It's got the farmhouse skunk, of course, but it is as subtle as I've ever had it, while still detecting it. That apple and that the the acidity of the apple and the orange blossom, um, really brings the sort of um, skunkiness that you get from a farmhouse down to like this very low note that is maintained. Because you also have that that um, honey in the coriander that's sort of like... I don't know. It's like holding... The, the only way I can describe it is like holding down the pedal and then hitting a note on the piano. It sort of lingers mm, with the viscosity of the honey. Um, Man, it's a poet. <laughs> that is... Mm, that is a good fucking beer. And I'm drinking it out of a bottle because I'm a Philistine. I can't imagine what you'd get if you got a pour of that at a bar. Like...
2: Mm. Mm. Hard five, good job. Hard five. Here's something that that I would like to start doing, and I just want to propose this to the table. We don't we don't have to do it, although I would like to mandate it um uh, <laughs> on future episodes. What I'd like to do, Ross, I'd like for you to find some uh like classy tea house music, and when we start describing the actual notes of mm-hmm. a beer in the what can only be described as garbage palette class that mm-hmm. all of us have. I would like for you to start playing that beer, and perhaps we'll even transition into a voice to indicate mm-hmm. we are now attempting to be good beer reviewers.
3: Uh, I, I actually have really some uh, tea house type music we could we could try. Do you want to you want to do you want to go for that? We might
2: read? be talking about different tea houses. Yeah, I would <laughs> like
1: to hear your tea house music. Please. Okay. Uh, there it is. It? Yeah, I know. That's it. Yeah, I yeah. It. no, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that feels right. Yeah. yeah. all right
2: we weren't talking about different tea houses (laughs) um okay well
0: yeah you you want to sort of do like a parody of the npr segments on um parks i do yeah i do Mm -hmm. Uh, okay (laughs) yeah uh yeah i want to be dairy
2: marbles or whatever uh and i want to yeah and i really want to um it's just something to think about and i think we should start this process in the next episode in order to do that i think we should buy only the worst beer so i really (laughs) think we should minimize this event Mm -hmm. yeah that's right um, hey, we're into your number one vote getter, which is Getting Lit and James Burns. Hi, James. It uh, feels like it's, well, it's been a minute since we heard from James. Uh, I will tell you, if all of the Mixed Six listeners, you want like deep old school game knowledge, James Burns is your man. So you mm-hmm. find you a James Burns if you need to know about a game. Um, James Burns suggests uh, in Get Lit, which is our uh, book segment, see Getting Lit is kind of a nomenclature for getting drunk, but also getting literature is uh, is then also about books. You get it. Uh, Sequel time. What novels have you read that deserve a sequel, and what books that received a sequel should not have? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And this is actually, this is a good table for this, because Mm -hmm. Burke is an avid reader, Ross is an avid reader, and... I would say semi-popular to mildly popular uh, writer, thanks to yeah. the success of Zombies of the World.
3: Yeah, Caleb
2: has in fact written the world's greatest RPG, uh, and I happen to know all of you. So, um, so this feels like a good feels like a good topic for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with books that deserved a sequel, or that you would read a sequel for. Mm-hmm. Um, Burke.
1: Oh no, yeah. See, this is this is hard because mm-hmm. a lot of the novels I read aren't really. Like, things that lend themselves to sequels? Mm-hmm. Especially, Infinite
0: jest! Oh, <laughs> no. Of, you mean Gravity David Foster Rainbow Wallace? *Slothroppy right, uh-huh. seconds. I don't know. Like,
1: <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? Um, or books that I have read already have sequels coming out. So, like, I read Axiom End, which is Lindsay Ellis' sort of genre mm-hmm. sci-fi book. But it already has, like, three. Because you kind of have to have numerous books ready to go to even get a book deal anymore. Mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. kind of according to her. So, uh, if I can go a little extra topical, not do a novel. There it is. But a nonfiction book. I'm reading The Philosopher Queens, which is a collection of essays on kind of the forgotten women of philosophy who don't really end up in the the standard textbooks. So, I'm going to say a sequel to that because I'm sure there's more than just these 12 essays in that story to tell.
0: Yeah, that feels very important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ross, book
2: you've read that you'd like to see a sequel for?
3: Um I have three possible answers and you can t- judge how uh serious I am with this. Um House of Leaves, uh Invisible Cities and High Rise. Um so uh House of Leaves Wait, What's
0: here. the sequel to High Rise? <laughs> Who's left to be in a sequel to High
3: Rise? Well, they they well, obviously it's uh it spreads to like a gated community. Like, I mean, that's what the archeology was trying to be is what gated <laughs> communities are. So obviously, he goes to an American gated community. And the same thing happens. So uh, I just want to see you know a bunch of people in a gated community uh, turn into cannibals uh, and uh, kill each other. That I mean that there it like is. A yeah the
0: high rise H O A there you go you got HLA. it yeah
3: H O A yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, Invisible Cities is easy. Just more weird ass cities. Just Calvino you know, describing weird ass cities. Uh, and
0: House of I Leaves. I would, I would dig a sequel to Invisible Cities. Yeah, exactly.
3: Right, like it's it's an
0: open ended concept. Be very good. Yeah, uh,
3: and that's House of the Leaves. Right answer. Yeah, 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 just
0: give me more weird cities. That's yeah. like that's the RPG splat book. <laughs> yeah, I will keep buying. Yeah, the the weekly. <laughs> monthly D20 flatbook book of weird ass cities for yeah as support
3: ago. support yeah. calvino's Patreon for your city of the week you know uh I would I would support that uh and House of Leaves. Uh, that's Caleb, easy uh, you a can sequel just sequel that, that
0: you out. would like to read yeah um I'm kind of the prisoner moment here but um I don't think John Langan should do a lot of sequels because he writes long and he writes literary horror <laughs> And like The Fisherman is like a perfect, perfect cosmic horror uh, book that was put out in modern times, which is very hard to do. But I am uh, currently reading his short story collection, The Wide Carnivorous Sky. And while um, he he can't write a short story that's under 20,000 words, it's not technically a novel, but it's a novella. And it's just um, the the titular story in that. Is the pulpiest, least literary thing he's ever done, and it's about uh, four Iraq vets that get attacked by a vampire and decide they want to go kill the vampire, and it's like the best Knights Black Agents like uh, novel that's ever been written because the vampire lives in fucking space and like satellite drops down onto people <laughs> to eat them and then goes back up to its low orbit coffin cocoon thing. And they they have, like, a weird psychic link from it because they're surviving. So they're trying to, like, feed it bad intel so they can take it to this uh, uh, obscure clearing outside of a mountain and kill it. And they go to Home Depot and fashion, like, baseball bat steaks with, like, plastique carved in the middle of them. And it's just like, y- yes, I want I want more of this pulpy ass... Like and they're all like horribly injured. Like one has his skull crushed and can barely talk anymore. Another one's missing a leg from the vampire fight. But it's all these like disabled vets working their shit jobs at Home Depot, and on the weekends they get together to hunt a fucking vampire that lives in space. And I'm I'm <laughs> there for it. I'm entirely yeah. there for it. Like that's a, that's if, if that Story. was a series of novels, mm. uh, I would I would buy every single one in the series. Um, so John Lanigan is perfect. He does great self-contained stuff. Um, but this pulpy bullshit that's in the middle of these, like, he, the, the opening story in that collection is a zombie narrative that's fashioned after Thornton Wilder's Our town Like, <laughs> it's just a stage play where they talk about a zombie apocalypse. And the, the stage manager is God. And it's, like, fucking highfalutin and crazy. And then in the middle of it, there's this, like men's adventure novel like dudes stabbing a vampire with a baseball bat and i I just want that because i'm a trash person so that's the secret Hey, you live your best life (laughs) um
2: uh i read uh also prisoner of the moment i read station 11 earlier this year also terrible time to read station 11 (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I fucking loved it, and I thought, well, Emily St. John Mandel is a great writer. I'll read her other stuff. So I read The Glass Hotel, and The Glass Hotel was like, oh, okay, technically a book. Um, um, so I don't know. I don't need to know what happens after Station Eleven. But part of the interesting thing about Station Eleven is its treatment of time, and so there mm-hmm. are a lot of gaps built into kind of critical moments. So, for example, the book starts with um, a kind of very intentionally rushed. Um, it seems like there may be a pandemic coming and then you just jump ahead way post pandemic into the post-apocalyptic kind of um, regional communal society. We've now jumped to with, you know, traveling bands of theater folks traveling between cities or what's left of cities, et cetera. And uh, they do a good job of filling in some of the stuff that happened throughout the book via flashback, but there's a whole world um, that is implied in elements of Station Eleven that I think is very interesting. And I think that Emily St. John Mandel is a very good writer. So I would definitely read uh, a a deeper exploration of the Station Eleven universe with some of the side characters or an unrelated story set in the same uh, environment. Because this is a really interesting ecosystem for me. And if you're looking for fiction about pandemics to feel like you're not in a pandemic, um, I I would suggest Station Eleven. Pretty heartily. Okay. A uh, sequel that that happened and you wished wouldn't have happened. Uh Burke.
1: I mean the obvious answer has to be Ready Player Two, right?
2: It does. It is the obvious answer.
1: Okay. That's, that's well then right. I'm done. That's, Great. I did my right. job. Yeah, you <laughs> else. Right. 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 Burke something Anything else that. to add, just so. other can we can we stop with nostalgia, please? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we stop? What a bummer that is too.
2: Oh, only because I do want to I I don't want to totally stop on that. I, I think I went on record on this podcast saying that I really enjoyed Ready Player One, and I stand by that. As a book, I enjoyed reading Ready Player One. It was fun. It was light. I thought there were some good moments. I thought the characters were interesting. Um, then I saw the movie, and it became very clear to me that my benevolent reading of Ready Player One was probably the best-case scenario for Ernest Cline, because the most <laughs> likely scenario was someone reading Ready Player One and seeing exactly what that movie ended up being. And that was probably the most likely and maybe even intended scenario. And it was kind of puke-inducing. And so um, I will stand by Ready Player One was a really enjoyable read. Uh, I recognize totally and fully, it was there exclusively to pull on my nostalgia heartstrings. I don't mind that. Um, I think that's honestly just like God's gift to marketing. Like, remember the stuff that you did like? Yeah, totally. What, is, what else is 2020 if not for the year where we pay for shit that we used to enjoy before we stopped enjoying everything. And so I am totally okay with that, that take on stuff. Um, uh, but ready player two can fuck right off. Uh, um, yeah. Ross, do you have a sequel that uh, shouldn't have been a sequel? Uh,
3: I thought the obvious answer was go tell a watchman like the, uh, to kill a mockingbird sequel. You know, a, watchman. a watchman. Oh yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. That noise. yeah. Um, I haven't read it, but I just, like, why would you do a sequel? And like, and just the circumstances of its publication what was racist. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Yeah,
2: here's how opposed I am to that book. Uh, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird is one of my favorite books of all time, mm-hmm. and I won't consider reading Ghost Set a Watchman. I was angry at the thought of it being published. Yeah, and so no, fuck right off with that noise. Yeah, yeah. yeah
3: so that's my obvious um, answer.
2: Yeah, Caleb, you're mid sneeze, which seems
0: like a good time to ask
2: you uh, a yeah, sequel thanks. that shouldn't have been. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. This is probably going to be an unpopular opinion. Uh, if they'd left it at the golden compass with a bunch of questions unanswered, I'd say that's the one I want a sequel for. Um, but having read The Subtle Knife <laughs> and the other ones, I'd like to go back to the, the calm embrace of ignorance. I'd like to go back to like the mystery of uh, where everything was and without like, the I-hate-Catholicism like overly subtext subtext. Uh, I mean, I'm all for hating Catholicism. And any religion, basically, but uh, uh, the, it's just it's just not very good storytelling. I don't I don't really care for the rest of that trilogy. So uh, leave me with the Golden Compass and go do something else, Phil. Also, Peter um, Klein, the better novelist. Um, that's that's my hot take on the Kleins. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck Ernest. Uh, but yeah, um,
2: I just uh, finished. Oh, I don't know, maybe six weeks, two months ago. Black Leopard, Red Wolf, which is Marlon James' new Dark Star trilogy. And uh, it was a chore to read that book, and I didn't care for it for the first 200 pages, but the last 280 pages or whatever were pretty good, and I kind of got into it. Um, uh, It was good, and they're going to make three of them. I think that's the nature of a trilogy, as I understand it, unless you're George Lucas. Uh, And so I, um, I don't know that I want another one. And also, I feel a little encumbered to at least start the next one. And that's kind of frustrating to me because the first one was so hard, but also pretty rewarding once I got there. So I'm kind of upset about that. I would tell you that when I initially read this question in the doc, my immediate answer was, I just wish they wouldn't have made any more Harry Potters, just because I wouldn't want J.K. Rowling to have the satisfaction of an entire universe of success. One book would have been more than enough to let us know she was a total fucking shithead. Um, The good news about Chamber of Secrets is that she also let us know that Tom Riddle was in fact... Uh, just based on J.K. Rowling's life. So there was something positive in the outcome of that book. Um, and on that note, uh, we're going to grab more beer. I believe producer Ross will be sampling for you in segment three, where we'll be talking about, ooh, the rise of the Manor Lords, the etiqueting, which was also tied for your number one vote getter and is kind of a new thing for us. So no, no it's you're
1: welcome.
0: No, we've done it for years. It's our we've long done, running Oh, thing. yeah.
2: No, never mind. Excuse me. I apologize. Mm-hmm. I have a terrible memory because of mm-hmm. the alcohol.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Producer Ross, what are you drinking?
3: This is from Spotzel Brewery. This is called the Shiner Weiss and Easy. Get it? It's it's it's. Come um, on. It, yeah. Why it, did
2: you get a fucking? hat tip come on
3: (laughs) uh yeah because i have the soundboard uh it's a wheat beer brewed with (laughs) dewberries and natural flavor added so um yeah and it's unfiltered and fully flavored
2: russ tends to like wheat beers more than the rest of us so this might be like he really likes that uh, raspberry hefeweizen from schlafly Mm -hmm.
3: yeah Um, i do um he does enjoy the gluten (laughs) <laughs> this is uh very uh, low on the gluten apparently uh zero mm-hmm. grams of sugar 2.9 carbs yeah i don't know it's uh um, oh, it's a weiss not a
2: half a weizen yeah yeah
3: well it says wheat ale wheat beer sorry um mm-hmm. brewed with dewberries. um it is a wheat beer but it does the like the dewberries you can definitely taste it, it kind of in like a nasal and it's kind of there um which is very nice is so it gives it kind of a little you know fruitiness throughout the entire thing so i would give this a four i really like this um which i believe is the silent um yeah so I like the side mm-hmm. i would i would just drink or play this over and over again um just down a six just pack of to six it's gonna be things. a nice little episode mm-hmm.
0: yeah we, we've lucked out so far
2: caleb uh, as our resident expert on this very long-standing <clears throat> and obviously entrenched topic at the mix six uh podcast can you tell us what
0: we're talking about yeah, this is your number one vote getter, which is a fan favorite, uh, The Rise of the Manor Lords, The Etiquettening, uh, where we, uh, the masters of etiquette, try and help our listeners get through some of the more thorny social situations that tend to arise uh, in, in the world today. And as many of us are taking a break from interacting with humanity in any meaningful way, um, I imagine that there's going to be a lot of Uh, Social faux pas uh, accidentally engaged in when we are removed from our solitary confinement, if we can ever interact with each other again. So I think it's I'm I'm glad our voters decided that we should uh, bring this perennial evergreen segment back. So I'll start first with our first, uh, you know, thorny, likely to occur social scenario. And you guys can tell me how you would navigate out of it. So you're down in the holler trying to talk to a major patriarch on his porch. Now, then his son runs across the pasture and says, little Darla's getting married, which is amazing. She's almost 16. They thought she was going to be a spinster. You've got to put the wedding on while they're there. But the thing is, since the preacher got drunk and fell off that clip last winter, um, father's going to have to officiate the service, which means they're down a man in the hootenanny band. You've got to step in what instrument do you take to avoid offending these people so you don't lose their big business account? <laughs>
2: okay, so uh, two things. One, describing us as, as experts of etiquette is one of the funniest things you've ever done. I spend no less than 15% of my time on the show trying not to burp on the microphone. So I really appreciate that, that polite spin. Second, the obvious answer here is to get into their good graces, you volunteer to play the jug.
0: But oh, it's just th-
2: the non obvious answer because jug by which you're going to put right? that on you? No, and they know how the jug should be played. You're going to get found out real quick if you play a jug in front of folks who know how to play a jug and mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. know how to play a jug.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's a witch jug.
0: I, well, I he, didn't. The river okay. witch did. The and, river uh, witch did, uh, no. it killed Aunt Bessie last uh well everything happens in winter winters are
2: have you never listened to the the rise of the manor lords the etiquette in anything before Burke? what the hell man no, what
1: is the show no we introduced <laughs> the is, river
2: witch back in uh, episode 37
1: vaporwave one
0: where the fuck have you been
1: where am i so
2: what
0: are you what are you playing Spencer?
2: <laughs> hold on i i do want a, a a brief aside and not to detract from the wonderful story universe you're building Should we just reference previous episodes where this didn't happen as if it did so as to create a Gloomhaven-style ARG (laughs) where people can learn more about the etiquette? Okay, just something to think about. I'll follow up. We'll offline this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what am I playing? Okay, hot take. I'm playing the Theremin, and here's why. (laughs)
1: Excellent choice.
2: Here's why. Uh, One, they're going to think
0: I'm a witch, and so now they are scared. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely frightening. They, you got to get their big account, man. Right. Two, Dude, you, because... If of, you fail this, they right? are not going to give you their tech
2: startup money. Here's the thing. <laughs> because they're frightened and think I'm a witch, I can get what I want out of them. So
0: it's a strong oh, arm okay. technique. Okay, all right. right. So you're going to like power arm, it with a sort of like yep. pedal dynamo underneath as you... I mean, it's going to be an impressive performance. All right. Absolutely. Well, I'm great at the theremin. Uh, okay, Producer Ross, what, are you, what role are you going to take in the Hootenanny Band?
3: Gun. Um, I'm obviously shooting? packing I'm playing the gun I shoot it in the air I hoot and shoot the gun in the air uh, is that
0: part of, of, of the band? That's it part is. Of the How dare like, you. I'm going to play confetti. Yeah, it's Eight percussion.
3: Nine, 12, yeah. You heathen. <laughs> yeah. Shooting and, uh, in the air and who? No,
0: what are you Are you boning? No, are you that's the, the instrument. It's the gun.
3: It's the gun. I'll shoot it at some bottles <laughs> for additional uh, uh, sound effect. Uh, but yeah, that that's my choice.
0: Yeah. Hey, well, I wouldn't
2: argue with him that much. He's packing, man. Yeah.
0: Everyone's <laughs> packing. Honest. It's yeah. a wedding. Of course they are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, all right. Well, Ross is going to lose the big account. Burke, <laughs> what do you pick?
1: Um, I think you need a strong percussion base, so I'm going to play the washboard. Mm-mm. Washboard and spoons.
0: Washboard. Well, if you play the spoons, well, you play the washboard with spoons, the- so they're not going to have to be anything to serve the peach cobbler with. So, well,
1: I thought these are the type of people who might eat with their hands, but maybe I don't get the bit. Well, I mean, it's a wedding,
0: though. you got to bring out the fine silver. (laughs) Right. Well,
1: you don't play the washboard with the fine silver.
0: All right. Yeah. The washboard. Yeah. The washboard. You could definitely do. That's a reasonable answer. That's a a humble, humble choice. I think uh, I think Burke wins that one. I'm humble. Burke wins that uh, etiquette situation. Yeah.
1: Well, we got a we got a disagreement here. That (laughs) jug is fucking
0: haunted. I told you. I All said right. I wasn't going to play the jug. I
2: said the obvious answer is the jug. I'm not going to play the jug. I'm going to play the theremin, and it will be terrifying enough that they will listen to me.
0: Yeah, so, he's uh, going to be a witch. Mean, you I, be I a agree witch with that, but that, games, that means you brought you a theremin it. with you. It's as if you expected something. Like they're going to always curse. I always the... bring a theremin with me.
1: You can just build a theremin.
0: <laughs> no, I can.
2: I'm a witch, but you can't. We. I, I don't. I don't need your technical wizardry right now. Thank you, <laughs> Philip. Okay. All right. Uh, what no. I need right off now? any other don't, common social I mean, occurrences? My Christian name. That we could navigate? <laughs> well, okay. So here's my, can I make a suggestion? Uh, and I know that we've done this for this, this uh, story is ongoing mm-hmm. and I know that we're in the 10th installment of it, starting mm-hmm. in episode 37. Um, <laughs> Then, of course, continuing in episodes 54 and 62. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, can I make a suggestion uh, that we pivot from our longstanding, entrenched, traditional path of the etiquette inning mm-hmm. And instead, what we do is we just treat this as one story at a time, wherein Caleb continues to build for us mm-hmm. the tapestry. And each of us submits our own personal contribution to that tapestry over time which is like i I don't want to do us a disservice and come up with three or four more socially awkward scenarios when i think that you have continued to build over 10 episodes starting in episode 37 obviously continuing some other regular episodes don't forget patron extra 14 and of course patron extra 17 where we really i felt dug
0: into the beginnings of this universe um it's an interesting way to get out of work (laughs) But I mean, if you were if you were dedicated and a hard worker, you wouldn't have learned witchcraft. So mm-hmm. uh, right. it's primarily there to shirk. Uh, You're exactly doing right. on the farm. That's exactly right. And uh, it's, I think so it's yeah, I, guess, I guess we'll leave it at that. Uh, I, I hope her hoot nanny leads to a blessed union and many healthy children, um, and hopefully stops the feud between the clans. Uh, but uh, only time will tell, uh, and uh, we, we'll see if uh, the rise of the mana lords return. And we can navigate these further uh, high-stakes social waters. But until then, uh, we need another beer. Hey, Spencer, what are you drinking? So
2: a couple of weeks ago, we finally drank Delirium Tremens. And it is kind of surprising to me that it took us this long to get to a Delirium Tremens. But now we're drinking their winter variety, Delirium Noel. Because what says September whatever the date is like a delirium Noel <laughs> the
3: Christmas bottles festive is, like is it's here. like white with blue and a little red bottleneck yeah it's it's uh blending in with the green screen really well <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but when um, I can't see it it's nice yeah it's festive
2: we go look yeah, at that see I held yeah, it up yeah. in front of me which mm-hmm. was like a better strategy it's mm-hmm. got a got the mm-hmm. elephant with the Santa Hannah mm-hmm. yeah. um I actually prefer that to delirium trimens it tamps down some of the the like egregious fruitiness mm-hmm. of a delirium trimens in favor of more of that winter ale style the back end still has a decidedly spaghettios plus metal taste to me um, and so I don't love that um you know it's probably a it's probably a three Uh, it's fine. Um, Something about the Delirium beers, and and Caleb will have a visceral reaction to this. I'm not sure that Ross will have the same visceral reaction. Something about the Delirium beers gives me a a deep and abiding feeling of the Mud Lounge, which is a bar in Springfield that is one of the most infuriating alcohol-serving establishments in the history of the world. Not because it's a a particularly gross or awful establishment. It's actually quite a nice place. Um, But the thing about the Mud Lounge is when they bring you the beer menu, it is an actual book of beers, like a literal book of hundreds of beers. And Caleb hand grenade close here. What percentage of those beers do you believe are actually available when you order them?
0: Oh shit. I'm going to go like no higher than 15%. Yeah. Like, no higher. That's exactly It's right. often, and that's like on a good night. I've yeah. actually figured out the mud lounge. It's not a restaurant or a bar. Um, it is an elaborate SM dungeon where I ask for things and, uh, women in hipster clothes and deny them to me. I'm just not, I just didn't get the email. I'm not on like the, the list serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone else there is just like really satisfying their geek and I am just thirsty, uh, because they, they have nothing they claim to have.
3: Well, just, they're thirsty too, but it's oh, a I different time. Oh,
0: we just ran out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the cheese shop sketch, but for fucking beer. Here's the really Um,
2: nefarious part of it. It's like, it's not just like a beer list with like, well, we've got Corona and Pacifico and Bushlight. It's like, you get a beer list at the Mud Lounge and it is like, we have a single barrel KBS from Founders that we've been sitting on since 2015. And it's the only one in the country. And it's $12 a pour for four ounces. Would you like that? And honestly, I'm so excited. I'm like, I would, I want one of those. And routinely, the answer is, oh, no, we don't have that. (laughs) you spent more time writing the description of the beer than it took you just to lie to me at my face. Like you just should have told me, like we have a lot of beers that you'll never get to try because we don't actually have them. So what do you want? We've got Corona or Corona light. Um, (laughs) And those fuckers really go for it.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that was us complaining about a restaurant that's going to be closed in a couple weeks in a Midwestern city. You'll never visit. Uh, (laughs) Accessibility. Uh, anyway, uh, we are at our segment, ask Mick six. Uh, this is the first time we've ever done this, but we'll give it a shot. Friedrich asks how many offers of asylum did Caleb get when you published Caleb begs for asylum episode the other day? The answer Friedrich is zero, but zero 2020 has been the year of people telling me to just move, not move. Just move. Hey, just move, bro. Just move, bro. Just move, bro. <laughs> just move, bro. I, I say so, it to Burke like weekly. As uh, everyone has just told me, no matter what the issue is, that, hey, you should just move. Um, what's your move plan? What's your evac plan when this all goes south? Uh, what, what is your current evac plan if you're willing to share it? I understand if you got to keep the OPSEC secret. And yeah. what's your ideal evac plan for uh, we got to get out of
2: this place? So, can we say souther? Because I don't know that it can go. I, at this point, it's not going south. It's going souther. Souther, <laughs> maybe? Yeah. Um,
3: Southmost.
2: Yeah. More <laughs> southy. The southest.
3: Um,
2: right. <laughs> um so like uh look, there's a bunch of garbage and I don't need to get enough look, if you pay attention, if you have Google, you know that this is all bad. I get that. And um uh Hey man, just move. Just move. It's not a big deal, just move. Just you move. have move. We haven't spent years developing roots and friend systems and material earning uh, in this area. So just move. Um, There are a few things that like, and, and for as much as I'm kind of like wedded into this community and, you know, I own two businesses here, the bulk of my friends live within a five square mile radius of me in theory at a point past which there is a pandemic, the podcast that I do regularly because I love it records, Four miles from my home, and once a week I get to see my close group of friends and do that stuff. Um, if you think I am entrenched in this community, my wife is is <laughs> hemmed in to Springfield. Um, the captain, she, yeah, she's she's literally the captain of Springfield. Uh, and I think if uh, she
0: left, she w- the city would sort of psychogeographically start to die. Like <laughs> lights would start to fail in a sort of magical. Uh, symbolic link. Um, oh, she's the canary in the coal mine? That I'm convinced would, when Brandy gets a cold, like, the weather changes. Uh, we would
2: Like, future versions of Rand McNally printings would not list Springfield, is what I am saying. <laughs> um, but, like, there are a few things that even we have talked about would be, like, uh, we're going to legitimately start talking about not just leaving this area, but leaving the United States of America. And... Uh, I would tell you that the overturning of Roe v. Wade is very much one of those things, um, which uh, is now phenomenally more likely, uh, you know, than it was a week ago. Um, that There are a few things that we have as kind of like hard stop. Everybody take a look around and think about like whether or not this is really a country you want to live in anymore. And we have talked about a number of outside the, the country opportunities I am still a big proponent of moving just north of the border. Uh, It seems like Vancouver is beautiful and or the more remote parts of Canada. I don't give a fuck. I would tell you having watched uh, way too much British crime television uh, over the last six to eight months, I am all in for one of the Scottish and or British seaside towns that I don't quite understand the name of when they say it on their shows. And for the size of the population, it seems like they have an outsized number of serial killers. Based on yeah, are you of, not terrified
0: to go there? It's like l- moving to the town that Angela Langeberry lives in. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, it's per capita murder I... rate makes Juarez look like a fucking walk in the park. Yeah, yeah, but but in in this in
2: this dream scenario, I'm also uh, I'm also like the guy doing the investigating, and it kind of beca- like I I'm uh, you know I just kind of become that guy. Like I move there and I become a, a detective.
0: Your charming outsider American perspective lets you solve the mysteries. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm David Tennant in this story when I tell it to myself. So it's not a big
0: deal. Somebody um, uses a gun. You're like, that looks like a bullet wound. They're like, what? A right. gun? Yeah.
2: What, what, what is, what, no one was hunting quail out here. Um, uh, I yeah. walk into the equivalent of hot fuzz in this scenario for me. And I am Simon Pegg. So that mm-hmm. our evac plan is that I go live in a in, a, in a made-up Hollywood universe somewhere else outside of America. <laughs> Good. Strong. Good. All right. right. Burke? You got
1: one? You well, need an evac plan. I do. I have an evac plan, which is to at least head back east for a while. Um, but, yeah, I guess I thought that this would be some evac plan in in terms of some fantasy apocalypse. But I guess if we're actually talking about just leaving the U.S. My actual plan is I guess I know a lot of people in Toronto. I could go up there. Hey, I'd go to Toronto. Of I'd go to
2: Toronto. I'd be a Raptors fan with you.
1: Mm-hmm. I almost ended up in Toronto. I was choosing kind of between that and Pasadena. Ah, um, uh, yes,
2: Toronto stuff. or Pasadena. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, or or Chicago. But um, my ideal evac plan would be I don't know. It's kind of naive, but to like stay and try to fix shit. Like if we're talking about America going south, like just staying and fighting on the homeland. I don't know. No, what we're more, about.
2: more southy. Sir.
0: Yeah, like. So- I'm kind of there too, and people are gonna. People literally called it inertia, but um, the the thing is, things to get bad enough to me to actually try and do it. A, no one wants me. Like other countries, they're not as bad as America, but they have immigration policies, and Mm -hmm. they're like, "Oh, cool, you're a public educator with a creative writing degree."
1: Now you could totally go speak English, uh, teach English.
0: Yeah, I guess, but
1: abroad. Uh, <laughs> no, that's serious. That's I, a serious.
0: Yeah. No, I was going to make a joke about like
2: how you'd actually probably like have more luck than teaching English and where you teach English. But oh, I, I thought you know what, would that's I did, like, like that's like not a good. joke. Oh yeah,
0: give me some Japanese five-year-olds. There, I'll actually be assigning the papers I should assign in high school right now. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think I think for things to get that bad. Um, there's too many people. I I couldn't like. I'm su- I'm a sucker. Like mm-hmm. that's how they get you an education. Like oh, we need you to do this. We're not going to provide you any means to do that, but you got to figure out a way. And I'm like fuck you, don't do that. But then I look at like the people who are going to suffer because I'm not doing it, and then I do it anyway. I I think I'm just a sap. Like I, I think that'll what that'll be what does it like um makes me an inability to leave. So like a I don't think people I don't think anybody wants me. Uh b. Uh, I don't have a birth certificate and I can't get one no matter how many times I go to the fucking place and pay the fucking fee. They won't send it to me. Uh, so, but you know, just, you know, just vote, just leave. Uh, that'll be fixed. Um, you, you can just forge one of those. Uh, so I don't have a passport and there's all those kind of things that I'm still struggling with. Uh, but I, I do think if it gets to that point, like either I'm going to care too much about people and I know they can't leave because I know financial realities fucking exist and I'm not going to bootstrap my way away from the fall of the Weimar Republic or whatever a historical nonsense you think actually happens with the rise of fascism. Um, And then like, if those people weren't around and I couldn't help them, I don't know that I would give a shit about leaving anyway. Like (laughs) if it got that bad, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm kind of with Burke, like, yeah, put a gun in my hand. Let's go figure it out. (laughs) Uh, Like, so, I don't know. I, I know I feel trapped, and, and that's the kind of thing, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm an American. That's awful. I, I live on the bones of thousands of war crimes done a year, uh, but I, I do like the idea of the place. Yeah, guess, uh, <laughs> that, that,
1: That's kind of the other side of it. It's not to be too, too flippant about it, but in some other sense, the ideal evac plan is just eat it in the first wave because... <laughs> like we're so used to material comfort that you don't actually want to live in in some sort of declined, e further declined America. Like look at how people More are excessive. generally poorly handling being asked to sit inside for two weeks six months ago. Yeah. yeah
0: in air conditioning. Or wear a mask. Um, like yeah. the, yeah. And internet and streaming services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're basically the Muhajin now. Like yeah. an actual <laughs> an
1: actual decline in material material comfort in America would be mm-hmm. disastrous.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what for you, Ross? Uh, I mean,
3: uh, yeah, I mean that's the obvious answer, um, and I would probably do that because obviously Maddie has a lot of roots there, and I could figure out something to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not like it would in it would probably mean the end of like all my podcasts because th- 14 and a half hour time zone difference and internet issues and. <laughs> Um, I don't. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I'm not looking forward to that. So I would not want to. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Canada would be nice, or yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's if I, I know if Matty like from, he gets. Like, if either of us get really sick, you know, once we're married, then, like, we'll go to Austra- Australia to get healthcare. Like, that's another potential thing. So, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, hey. I
1: mean, but a lot of these countries that you talk about running to are not, they're just behind behind us in terms mm-hmm. of this decline. Mm-hmm.
0: Which yeah. is a conversation
1: I've had with my dad because he's like, oh, you can just go to the UK because they got, like, all these universities. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, they're only like four or five years behind us in yeah with
3: brexit too like the uk is not gonna do really like, well the
1: authoritarian decline yeah. like mm-hmm. um, when the troubles well, restart I mean, we come up
0: with like, a lot of subtitles for the podcast this episode uh, it's a bad show but you should try it anyway and um, <laughs> try and die in the first wave the mixix podcast
1: the We're revolution. Try
0: and die in the first wave.
1: I'm not making pandemic jokes. Die in the first wave I don't, of the revolution.
2: Let's try, let's try this for a subtitle. I don't think it's ever been used for anything popular. Just the Mixix podcast. Hope. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's it. We could probably get some I posters made new.
1: with <laughs> our faces
2: that say hope along the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: maybe some like stylized art of your face. like
2: uh, To keep it kind of patriotic, maybe like like a red and maybe like a, mm, like a blue. Okay, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get on. Uh, yeah, I know a couple designers. Yeah, I'll we got a Shepard lot of work here on red Redbubble.
0: We better move to another segment. Um, it's exactly another right. day ahead of me. <laughs> Caleb, what are you drinking? I am going to drink from Prairie Artisan Ales. la the Punch, which is a sour ale with blackberry, cherry, and lime. Uh, now, I don't know if this uses the flare base like everything they do lately. Is. I think all
2: their sours are that plus a different fruit.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to
2: give it a shot. I ha- I'm worried that Prairie has a little bit of a Taco Bell problem right now, which is they're taking the same 10 ingredients they've always had and just mixing them mm. up in different combinations and calling it different beer.
1: I thought maybe they were canceling their Mexican pizza sour. Oh, no.
2: If they did that, I'd kill them. No. Oh, Caleb doesn't love. I did not Uh-oh. care for that. I'll be perfect. That's weird. That's
0: it's weird. Not a good face. It's thin. It's uh, a little too heavy on the cherry and lime, so it's kind of like the bottom of a Sonic Limeade after mm, like no. the no. too much ice they've put in it has melted.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want that. Um,
0: the ABV ha- isn't high enough to contact it, and I don't get any Blackberry on it. It's a two. Um, it's wow not, it's not offensive but that's oh, no. that think as low as a prairie has performed for us that's that's, that's yeah. certainly
2: the worst prairie performance we've had on the show I'm also sorry. have you
0: been following have you it's been following very their, good i mean i know can yeah. do about it yeah.
2: their new uh their new uh twitter um
0: uh, approach uh, i have not what, what what's the new twitter approach
2: it seems maybe like a Wendy's approach, uh, like very irreverent and uh, singular-voiced uh, person. Oh, brands encounter- are
0: people, and yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. It, I hate and, that. That's yeah, it's not. That's awful. It's not great. And I don't think. I don't think businesses should have Twitter accounts or. <laughs> Or the ability to store profit from their labor of their employees, <laughs> but um, first off, Twitter accounts—we could start we'll have to there. let start out that
2: out.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and,
2: and, and and someone called them on it, and they retweeted someone calling them on it, and then did the brand as person voice thing, complaining about it. And I thought, like, listen, y'all, we've done that. Don't do it. It didn't work well. Just <laughs> like move on. Um, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Okay, uh, hey, we're into living with humans, and Caleb, I'm going to toss this hot potato of a topic to you.
0: Uh, so Scott Henderson suggests in living with humans, since all three of you are in committed relationships, what is a quality of your significant other that on paper would be a deal breaker for you, but you have now come to accept as part of that person something along the lines of "I love you, babe, but so I guess I have to do this first. Um, yeah, I'm happy
2: to. I had an immediate response to this, but if yeah, you want to jump I don't on think this handker-
0: is a big deal, like so right. for me, this is not adversarial, this is not like uh in any way me imagining that like it's a burden to live with sarah uh i i i profit every day from waking up and her not coming to her senses uh so i, I am not uh complaining about it anyway but um yeah of course there's stuff you don't vibe on instantly and it's utterly meaningless and uh there's ways to work around it with communication so for me, it's a thing that was initially like a complete non-issue, but it's become an issue over time, and owing nothing to Sarah's, um, Sarah's own actions. So Sarah is a big fan of um, very well-written dialogue, and she likes very well-written dialogue by mass. So she loves Sorkin, like she loves Aaron Sorkin stuff. She loves um, Gilmore Girls uh, and things like that. And in, in the end of history, when we meet in, in like, uh, you know, 2006, 2007, that is not an issue for me. It's just something I don't care for on the television. By 2020, watching The West Wing physically pains me, and it's her favorite <laughs> TV show. But she did not create the world in, would, in which the fantasy of The West Wing is, is not just a fantasy, but a, a farce meant to intentionally antagonize. My left is ass. She didn't create the earth that way. And I do admit that, like, from a technical level of the dialogue, if you never saw a movie past like 1930s uh, comedies with, like, hey, an Asian poet, and she's an heiress, if you never got past that area of, like, oh, dialogue is better by words per minute, um, yeah, Sorkin, on a technical level, it has something to admire, even though he's dog shit with content and it has no basis in reality. So um she really likes those shows. I'm fine watching them or doing something else while she's watching them. Uh, if I were like dating today, which is a farcical, it's a farcical idea in the first place that if I was single again, I would be out on the scene like fuck that. I'm joining a monastery and I'm learning how to go Trappist beer and then that's it. Um But I admit that like if I was on fucking Tinder or something and like someone was like, Aaron Sorkin's my favorite writer. Yeah. Deal breaker. Like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to swipe on that one. Uh, but you know, it, it's utterly meaningless uh, nonsense that, you know, it has no a bearing on our relationship. So, uh, but yeah, I, that stuff, West wing, uh, West wing brain, uh, which Sarah enjoys the show, but does not suffer from, the, the lib delusion of it but West Wing Brain is a deal breaker for me now. Uh, she just likes the show. She's not that way politically, so it's not a big issue but um, if I were dating again, that would be a red flag enough to make me turn around uh, even though it's a very superficial thing but 2020 is a very different time than when we met <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. No so two things on here. One, one uh, I want to <laughs>
2: I wanted to show all of you that my beer is foaming and I opened it 20 minutes ago.
0: So yeah. COVID. That's the, del- that's um, the delirium promise. <laughs>
2: yeah. Two, I was certain that I knew what Caleb was going to say here only because I have traveled with Caleb and Sarah enough over the last three or four years, maybe longer. I don't know. Um, to know that Sarah has this really great tendency at 10 PM before Caleb was about to fall asleep. Uh, to give Caleb the absolute worst news story she could find.
0: Oh, I can't and- I can't sleep without that anymore. I've been <laughs> trained into that. <laughs> you know, if, if if I don't have the most depressing thing that's ever come across a news wire, I I just I stay up all night. It's not time for bed. My favorite is when she was in the child abuse class. classes, like, hey, this kid got eaten by rats, and then she just put the textbook over my face right as i was about to fall into dream time <laughs> like that yeah that's my girl oh, uh, yeah. i love her today. but yeah no i C- can't sleep i can't sleep without that shit anymore caleb um, used to tell yeah. me about this and i didn't
2: understand it and then uh at, like origins a few years ago caleb sarah and i all stayed together and just like randomly at 10 one night like we've been out drinking having a blast like we're all settling down like it's about sleepy time and sarah oh, who probably hasn't, who hasn't said anything in an hour Who's just been looking at her phone goes, oh, they found a baby in a freezer not too far from your house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's her.
0: God, I love her so much. um,
2: So anyways, uh, okay. So uh, I've probably complained about this on the show. And I feel safe complaining about this on the show because, again, my wife doesn't know I'm on a podcast. (laughs) And she's in the other room. Um,
0: You're you're technically cheating on her with us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What
2: podcast? Um, (laughs) uh, uh, But so if you've spent any time around my wife, especially like playing a board game, one of the things that you'll know is that she will just randomly start singing. And not a little bit. It's not like she'll be sitting there and be like, no, 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 no. Like you'll be in mid conversation with someone next to her. And she will just start screaming Lady Gaga at you. And it's not because she doesn't like you, probably. It's just because in her head, Lady Gaga's been playing the whole time and she's lost the ability to not sing it out loud
0: at the I love highest. It. It's never the actual lyrics either. It's so great. It, she's just Randy Nooming it to different songs. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's so fucking cool.
2: And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not, and you wish that it wouldn't happen and you have to control the things you say about it while you're like, so now that we're both working from home, for example, and our offices are next door to one another, multiple times a day, I have to get up and close her door and my door because she's putting on an operatic performance of David Guetta uh, and I am trying to work or be on a Zoom call. And so I would say that the thing that would be a deal breaker if someone said to me early in the dating phases, oh, also, I have a tendency to constantly be scream singing pop music. I would say, eh, okay, this was fun. If you could please pick up the tab, I will now be pretending I am going to the bathroom. Um, uh, does that she would do it in the be-
0: office? Because that would be an absolute power move. She does. Yes, I love that. I love like some business dipshit walking up with like a power tie and she just starts blaring WAP out of her mouth yep. when she sees yeah. <laughs> she does. He's like trying am like, gonna do the dominant handshake and I'm gonna control the exit to the room to establish the and she's she just, <laughs> she just yep. built
2: there will literally be like the first time queen. it happened Absolute I was like
0: queen I thought,
2: okay, that's kind of funny, and then it happened for a few days when we were both working at home, and so finally I was like, hey, I'm curious. Is this, like, a new thing? And she was like, oh, no, I put headphones in, and I just, like, forget what I'm doing, uh, and so I do this all the time. I said, do you do this, like, when you're in your office? And she said, absolutely, and I, I don't know if people like it or not, and I wanted to be like, I know, uh, but I didn't, <laughs> because uh, marriage, and so yeah, this is just a thing that she does, playing a board game, working, sitting near you. Um, that's that's the the I love you, honey, but
3: no. <laughs> what do you got, Ross? Um now
2: the
0: way you're you fra- in the part of the relationship where you can do this without fear? <laughs> well yeah. Yeah. we'll find out. From have you, me. Have
1: like you that- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wait for that visa, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're doing
3: uh, it live. You know? Yeah, we're doing it live. Fuck it. Um, like the way you framed it is like if I were if I was single and dating now, this is something I would swipe left on. Um and but obviously in this context, it's fine. Um, is like some date trying to d- do the long distance thing, especially with someone in a different continent, you know, like um, if like, yeah, it, I just be like, what? No, that's too far. I How, how can this possibly work? Uh, and it did. And thank God it did. But like, Jesus. Um, and the other thing is Maddie's much more of a morning person than I am. Then, you know, I, I am also much more of a night owl than she is. So uh, I, I, stay up much much later than she does and that's always like trying to go to bed without waking her up has uh, been a challenge but um I, that that the biggest thing is, yeah is just long distance it's just st- like god i would not want to start a relationship especially now uh with trying to do this like time zone difference and when can i see you and all that especially god now jesus uh, but yeah, uh,
0: I think that's everyone who does a long distance relationship. Like you do a long distance relationship and it either works out mm-hmm. and then you're still like, well, I'd never do that again. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or you do a long distance relationship and then any relationship that comes after that is like, well, long distance is right out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who's like gone in two times for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just cause I think it just so naturally sucks. <laughs> it just, it just sucks. So to its core mm-hmm. that it's, you either like make it work because it was meant to work Mm -hmm. or you're just like, I'm not even gonna try and make it work a second time. Yeah. That has been my impression with people who have gone through that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's, it doesn't seem as hard as hard at first. And then it's like, Oh, 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 Oh no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, Yeah. that would be, that's the way. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but yeah.
0: So you think she's going to be offended because you want to be closer to her? That was your- no. Yeah, it was wow. kind of a cop out answer. Yeah, that answer. was a real <laughs> <not> that was <laughs> a real bullshit answer there, Peyton. The, really- the morning
2: the morning person <laughing> thing was kind of interesting. Yeah, and I was hearing it, but but this whole like, well, she lives in a different country was kind of like okay, Ross. So some uh, of us I'm glad we got out of the segment <laughs> knowing that uh,
0: Ross still fears you, Maddie. So use that power. Well, he's still, he's still very very afraid. Uh, uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hear the fear coming over the (laughs) airwaves.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Caleb took the biggest risk today because I do believe that occasionally Sarah listens to this podcast.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: Yeah. Because she Uh, loves me. Yeah. Right. And that's that's why
0: she tells me about child murders before bed, like some sort of. German mother trying to scare her children. Or Leland. Leland also tales.
3: tells me a lot about various <laughs> horrible crimes in uh, the the Springfield area. So, yeah. It's like, oh, this couple When's got murdered. Timing, when, Is that an
0: always thing? Just random times. A true crime podcast? <laughs> Holy shit. I'm pitching that when she gets home. Oh yes. Oh my god.
3: Yeah, he'd probably do it. Uh, why not? Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, you could talk about three missing no, women. No, Ross, yeah. Uh tell tell us
2: tell us about the geography problems with
0: Leland. Uh He's too close. Yeah. Too close. There we go. Yeah, we'll do well, that. Well, there's also trees. There's also trees <laughs>
1: around. You know, Tree, we know he knows he doesn't like trees. He's
3: bullshit. not a fan of trees. They store their biomass <laughs> he does hate above trees the surface.
1: <laughs> trees are bullshit. <laughs> trees bio are bullshit. The grasses are more the efficient.
3: They, they they survive better than trees. Um yeah.
0: Grasses are more efficient. Yeah,
1: trees have too much biomass above the ground that's Mm -hmm. leaving complaint about trees. Yeah,
0: we're not making this up. This is an actual (laughs) actual opinion that we have discussed on Movie Night at Link. He is (laughs) anti-tree. And it is awesome. That is the best political take I've ever heard. (laughs) I'm voting the opposite of the green part. Just Spencer's face for the listeners at home is still
3: processing
0: this. I don't... (laughs) I, uh, I don't know what to say <laughs> I'm changing the episode title Fuck Trees Fuck Trees We need a new segment <laughs> Fuck Trees <and> Bullshit <laughs> Trees are bullshit There we go I We should
2: get We should get more beer now I guess <laughs> And go on to Drunk Enough <laughs>
0: Hey, producer Ross what are you drinking uh,
3: this is the just get some little sound effects in here um, urban chestnuts mm. uh, big shark uh, lemon radler a lager beer with natural flavor added uh, it is 4.2% and here we go
2: just a lemon Rattler might be interesting because a lot of what we get are lemon plus sweeter thing. And so a straight up lemon Rattler might be. Yeah, this uh, is this is
3: alcoholic lemonade. So uh, it is. Yeah. It's kind of weak, though. It's not Same like uh, not especially like I can definitely taste a lemon, but it's not super sour or tart or it's not very it's not very sweet either. So if you if a lot of Rattlers are too sweet for you, this would probably be better. Um,
1: if so you've outgrown Mike's.
3: Yeah, <laughs> basically yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not the worst uh, analogy. Uh I'm going to give this a 3 cuz it's yeah, it's a bit it's not very flavorful. I mean, I I'm definitely going to like I got a four pack of these, so I'm definitely going to finish it, but it's not like it's especially uh, impressive, but you know, yeah. It's not bad.
0: Uh, did Bass send you that Hard Times article? Which is the next stimulus package? Is a six pack of Mike's Hard Lemonade and a bullet with a single, <laughs> a gun with a single bullet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. It was pretty good. Oh. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Pawn uh, my gun to that, buy more that's of Mike's what, Hard, the Hard. Hard Times is doing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, what are we doing for drunk enough?
2: Uh, I think this was Burke. Was this Burke?
1: Yeah, I typed this. I
2: Get in, this in there.
1: Oh, no. Um, I don't know. So I was just thinking in the general topic of uh, revisiting, like doing difficult things. Uh, if you want to branch out into learning new skills and crafts, I think that's a a reasonable framework for this discussion. But it, it's sort of inspired by I've been doing this um, 52 and 52 short story challenge, which was uh, back to Bradbury, old, right? Bradbury quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm where the idea is to write one short story a week for a year um, as a way to practice writing. Yeah, um, His sort of joke was, you know, you can't write 52 bad stories in a row. I plan to prove him wrong, but <laughs> um, it's just been good. It's just been, like, a, a thing to, to do during these times of mm-hmm. um, carving out, m- much like when, you know, sort of started trying to, like, read seriously, whatever that means, uh, just carving out time in your day to get better at something. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, that doesn't necessarily benefit you professionally or, or whatever, but just like a personal enrichment. Just trying to be better at, at the craft of, of fiction writing, habit building, because you have to kind of do it every day. Uh, I think there's a whole lot of things you could, you could take this out to. I was also kind of inspired by, by helping Caleb learn video stuff the other day. That yeah, was
0: just super helpful, yeah, just tackling, I'm not tackling sure I, qualify, skills.
1: but yeah, no, i think I think it qualifies
0: <clears throat> i mean i'm I'm trying to flip my classroom now because I have to because everyone's dying of a plague, um, but I have so much content to record mm-hmm. the i am not i think the point of doing your fifty two and fifty two is to better a skill for the the hope of and increasing the quality of that at some point and while that's something i can do with the video skills i nagged you for um i my setup is entirely geared towards pushing out as much shit as fast as possible uh it sure. does it, it feels like learning a new thing but it doesn't feel like self improvement so much as like desperate this ship
1: is crashing i need to know how to fly this ship um so i can see how it can be that when you're you're embedded in it but yeah i mean how many other teachers are futzing around in obs for hours trying to get the chroma key to work off butcher paper (laughs) you know like there is in in some embedded interest in like developing a skill set even if the circumstances are extreme and they're very different like i don't need to learn how to write short stories i don't plan on being a writer i'm not yeah not saying like I'm doing this because I I hope to get to the point where I can, like sell all of them or whatever um, mm-hmm. it's just something I just want to thought about being better at and just want to no, see if I can
0: I am I'm very proud at what we did uh, mm-hmm. and, and what I've cobbled together based off your advice and it's it's working so far and I appreciate that I haven't presented it to students yet because I've been teaching for 10 years and that's a lot of content to record at once Um mm-hmm. In flipping your classroom. Uh, but so there's that. Uh, but yeah, I think I was doing this with working out when I could work out. That was something I guess it benefits your health, but like I was not doing 20 minutes of cardio. I was like, Yeah, saying how much can I put on my back before it breaks? <laughs> like yep, yeah. I, I was doing very, very niche power lifting shit, and there was no benefit for it other than like I was really psyched that I moved that heavy thing from point A to point B and then back to point A. Mm -hmm. Um, It was sort of improvement for the love of the game. Uh, But yeah, I I mean, that 52 and 52 thing is awesome, and I'm super impressed by it. I haven't found something like it um, since COVID started, uh, because I think that was working out. And I I think I'm at a detriment for it. Maybe it'll be the video production thing. Maybe I'm a YouTuber now. I don't know. Uh, But um, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't really gotten into something with the same degree of sort of, I guess, aesthetic ascetic, sorry, not aesthetic, mm-hmm. ascetic purity that I did like with the working out, or or it seems you're doing with the fifty-two and fifty-two. Um, I do approve of it, like in terms of like the being an educator, lifetime learner kind of thing. But um yeah, I, I think I'm probably missing that out of my life right now. Um,
1: yeah. Hmm. Well, not not to detour too far from the original topic, but I actually do think that if you wanted to get more into it, then I, I could help you with with production stuff. Is I do think there's like a dearth of of like serious literature instruction on YouTube for all the other sort of topics that are covered, like you know music theory or leftist philosophy or like political and economic philosophy and stuff. There's really not a lot of people who just sit and really do like close readings or like really go over shit. There's probably actually a niche there. Yeah, if you feel like. Tackling that at some point. Okay. Me and Thug Notes, man. <laughs> yeah, because Book Notes, book BookTube, BookTube is very much just like here's the 15 books I bought, and I will never talk about them again because I probably won't read them because they just need to be in the background for my BookTube channel so people know. Yeah, I read it's books. like an
0: unboxing channel more than a. Yeah, this is what I think. Is there's like an educational
1: we <laughs> Night Clerk's Library. Let's go. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. Yeah,
2: uh, I would say the thing that I have been. Um, trying to maintain as a difficult thing for me to Caleb's point is in fact working out and it is the uh, it is the most like uh, antithetical uphill battle in the world for me. And um, one of the ways that I'd solve that problem is by establishing like a semi-regular running routine. And I did that long ago. In fact, Sarah was very helpful in that because Sarah has a good running group and I got in with them and then I started doing some five K's and that was kind of enough of a Skinner box for me to feel good about things. And so I started running semi-regularly and then I found Uh, by way of a referral, just a really wonderful personal trainer fitness coach. And we got such a good rhythm down for two days a week um, from August until March. And then COVID hit. And, you know, I certainly saw a lot of improvement from August to March in Mm -hmm. uh, my body and, and in my ability And then I kind of didn't know what to do about COVID. And so I started running a lot more to offset the fact that I wasn't going to the gym because there wasn't a gym to go to for a little while. Mm -hmm. Brandy was very helpful for my birthday. She bought me um, like some in-home gym equipment that we set up in the basement so that I could continue doing gym-like things. And my trainer was awesome enough to just start sending me programming via video so that I still had stuff to do. And so I maintained my at least two day a week uh, in-home workout stuff plus a run once a week. And then uh, once the weather got more bearable about six weeks ago, uh, said trainer was like, hey, I can set like enough of the gym up outside in the side lot that you and I wouldn't have to get close to one another. And I could instruct and you could use formal gym equipment and we could probably hit our regular routine again. And so I am happy that despite COVID, I have maintained a regular workout schedule three times a week. Mm-hmm. And have seen the benefits of that uh, over a year and one month now. But it is also the hardest thing in the world for me to do. Um, and it uh, because I was so out of shape and I, and I have to remind uh, listeners who don't know me personally that uh, that 13 months of working out for me is is still getting back to about probably 50 percent below what would be considered like an ideal health state for a person of my age. So I'm still a, 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 a fur piece from, from in good shape, but I'm in a lot better shape. And um, it's helped me mentally because there's still a lot of like milestone fitness things I cannot do. Uh, but I'm closer to being able to do them. And in the past thing, I cannot do is a thing that I don't want to do. So I would just move on from it. Uh, and now I know that this thing has stuck for me because I, I continued to do it when there wasn't someone around holding me accountable to do it other than myself. And some of these fitness milestone things that would have shut me down previously are actually motivating me now. And so I continue to push, push, push. You know, I had an hour and 15 minute workout yesterday. I had an hour long workout on Tuesday. I'm doing a four mile run tomorrow. These things are part of my routine now. And I'm glad that I was able to find something. And honestly, COVID may have been helpful in some ways because it kind of forced me to reevaluate how I spend time on things and my schedule changed drastically. And so I just made it more of a priority. But that's been the stuff that I've been doing despite its difficultness. Mm -hmm. And good Lord, is it difficult? Um, Especially on nice days where my tendency is to like shut down work at two and open a beer and just like start drinking and like watch sports or play a video game or whatever. Um, Taking that time instead to not do that and like go work out or go for a run first. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's been tough, but rewarding. Glad I'm doing it.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. Working out is definitely one that I I try to do. I got my kettlebell right here as you can see. Um, Next to some
2: Kenneth Burke books
1: I see. Uh yeah we got Rediker religion languages symbolic actions philosophy of literary
2: there.
0: form looks like I see yeah. over
1: there it's hanging out there it's all hanging out there um but like Man, the if only go to prison work...
0: for being leftists you're gonna be the coolest prisoner you know <laughs> <laughs> quoting Kenneth Burke while yeah. doing like fucking
1: but I've also got it next to contemporary burbies, abstract algebra <laughs> first course in topology these are all good books mm-hmm. um but <laughs> for working out the problem is that like the only thing that really interests me. And working out is just lifting heavy. Fuck like that's yeah. the only shit I've ever cared about. And I, I, I got really into it for like two years in grad school because I just got this perfect perfect schedule of waking up and getting to the school gym when it was empty and lifting and then going home, showering, and then going to work. Um, and I just haven't been able to match that convenience. And as a result, I just haven't done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think that's uh, rooted in just like I can just see numbers go up. Like you can have very fixed, like quantitative goals, and be like, six months ago I could pull four or five, and you know, now I want to pull five hundred or whatever. And Mm -hmm. and oh, it's so dumb, isn't it? Like it's just so like number go shit,
0: number go up. But then at the same time, you're just like, I have to activate this muscle in my hip I didn't know existed. Yep. (laughs) Like it becomes this. Yeah, it's I miss it so much. It was so cool.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Just lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I've been getting into aviation now because I've been playing flight simulator a bunch. It's on Game uh, Pass. I'm, I'm, I know Game you're, pass. you're
0: gonna be flying a plane inside a year. That know. feels super Freak.
1: on
2: brand, and I don't mean that judgmentally. <laughs> that just that just like all fits in the box is what I'm saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's yeah. that's that's my current obsession mm-hmm. is is aviation shit. Yeah, Burke's part of the Antifa Air Force. <laughs> um, I am the Antifa Air Force. Oh. Ross, how you doing? Um...
0: You know, I
3: realized one thing that I have been doing, I didn't really set out to do, I just started doing it uh, after Maddie left, is cook a lot more. Like, I used to have a lot of hangups mm. about cooking. Like, it was very, like, cause a lot of anxiety and stress, and like, I would have to follow the recipe exactly. And I just, so I didn't do it a lot. I ate out a lot. I ate, like, you know, microwave food and stuff like that. And just like, all. but like, for the last two months, I've only had takeout or like delivery twice. Um and so I've just cooked every other night or had leftovers every other night of something I've cooked and like I'm eating so I'm eating a lot healthier and I'm like no longer like cooking's just really easy for me now like it's not like stressful so I can just go in there and cook something simple like stir fry or whatever and um yeah making up my own recipes uh and that's so that's 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 been good um I think uh, Obviously, music. I I <laughs> gave up on the keyboard after a month or so. So I don't know if I'll go back to it. I, you think I back need to get on it. Yeah, I, I yeah, need to try it. a different approach. Uh, the 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 web the app I was using to teach me was just I don't know. I guess it didn't really click. So um, I need to research other ways to learn. Um, but uh, there,
0: you can hire teachers online.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um
1: okay. but, yeah, it's like Skype lessons and stuff.
3: Yeah. Uh, also I think just cleaning up, trying to organize shit. Like, you know, I've been helping my parents clean out their storage unit. Uh, and so it's made me start going through my stuff and I've tried to get rid of m- as much of my shit as possible that I don't need anymore. Um, mm-hmm. so I've gone through my closet several times and I've donated a couple carloads of stuff to charity uh, and thrown a bunch of stuff away. Uh, so, you know, just, yeah, like simple stuff, but, um, you know, just, just, trying to uh so i think yeah just a lot of simple things but just getting used to it practice makes perfect especially with, like cooking you know trying simple recipes yeah. over and over again to, like, we, get them and right.
1: we had we had sorry we, yeah. we had talked about cooking in the past because you talked about like how you didn't like it and it was mm. anxiety inducing like you said and you felt mm. like it was time wasted you could be doing other stuff so i'm glad that you've learned to love it because i <laughs> i like cooking yeah, no, yeah, I, I'm like, getting to the point where I like when I quit photography. Like, I was fifty fifty between chef and astronomer,
3: aw. actually. Like before, I, like I would microwave bacon just because it was quicker and easier, but now I'm cooking it on a uh mm-hmm. on a pan, like on uh on the stove because uh it tastes better, you know, that way. And mm-hmm. um yeah, it's a good life skill. Yeah. And uh yeah. So I think that that's sort of been a big thing um for me and I, it, I didn't really set out like I'm going to be better cooking. I just started doing it and it just kind of happened. So mm-hmm. um yeah. So eating healthier too. Lots more vegetables and stuff. So yeah.
2: Yeah, so I think that's all. happy vegetables all of are you. not terrible. Right? Yeah. Scurvy. Yeah. Scurvy's mad at you, but I mean, I suppose other than that. <laughs>
1: oh no, not scurvy. Well, scurvy. I'm happy all of you are tackling difficult things in your lives. Yay! Getting better. Tackling
2: tackling them well i would say based on what i have heard
1: Mm -hmm.
2: go team mix six colon hope um hey if you've been listening to this it doesn't necessarily mean you're a patreon of a certain level but you could be if you're not subscribed to the mix six patreon don't forget to go to patreon.com you can look for the mix six podcast where we have this plus a million other episodes available for you uh, long form episodes and then some of our shorter content like hot takes on ice which are 20 to 30 minute reasonably topical on occasion episodes where we talk about single items rather than the kind of like six segment variety grab back that you get in an episode like this. Cannot tell you how much we appreciate your time for this episode. Cannot tell you how much we appreciate having Burke again on this and our previous hot takes that we recorded at 10 30 this morning, central standard time. When we started drinking whiskey, no judgment. It is for the podcast and the content gods. It's Saturday. It's fine. We made our sacrifice.
3: Yeah.
2: It's Saturday, probably it's fine. Um, <laughs> hey, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at the 6 You can also find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube. That's Y O U T U B E D T U B E dot com, not any of the other tubes. Uh, probably. Uh, always check out our website, www.themix6.com, if you forget any of that. And if you're listening to this on a podcast application, don't forget to rate and review us so other people can find this genuinely okay to good content. See, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty positive there. Pretty positive mm-hmm. there. This has been the Mix Six Podcast. I'm Spencer. Freezer Bullshit.
1: I'm Burke. We'll talk to you <laughs> next time.